And so you pray for him as he comes. I want to tell you something. No matter how bold you might think he is, preaching is not easy. It takes the power of God, and it also takes uh, some people listening. So uh, don't fall asleep on him. I know you won't, but uh, encourage him. A nod of the head coming back up, that's a blessing. And amen, uh, just uh, turn in your Bibles and follow along, and God's going to bless you. Amen. Brother Wesley, God bless you, brother. If you have your Bibles, I ask that you turn to Luke chapter 15. It's a very well-known chapter, been preached many, many times, but I would like tonight to preach on it once more. I pray that sometimes we hear things all the time, like John 3, 16. We hear all these things so many times that when we hear it, we just kind of... Let it go over our back. We don't really pay attention to it because it becomes so common. But I pray tonight that you treat this as you've never heard it before. Because to me, it's, it's touched me. It's convicted me. And I pray tonight that you, you, you let God speak to you however he speaks to you. Amen. But thank you, Brother Wayne, for the opportunity to preach. It's an honor to be here, honor to preach. So thank you. But before I start preaching, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Dear God, I thank you for everything that you've given us. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, dear God. Father, I pray that you convict me, dear God. Continue speaking to me how, you, how you've used this passage to me, dear God. Father, I pray that you please use this passage to, to everybody else in here, dear God. I pray that you please speak to hearts and convict them, dear God. Father, I pray that you please consume anything unchristlike in me, dear God, anything that would hinder this message, dear God. I don't want to be a hindrance to anybody. I want, I want to wow. preach your word, dear God, and Amen. preach in fullness, dear God. For your, for your honor and your glory, dear God, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So once again, I say this is a very well-known passage, Luke chapter 15, and I'd like to start reading in verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now, I'd like to preach this verse by verse to kind of preach the story, because I believe that's how it should be preached. But we see Jesus is, is, is teaching a parable, a heavenly story, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. You see, he's giving a parable, and mostly everyone knows the story of the prodigal son, but I would like to reiterate it. But here he tells of a very wealthy man that has two sons. One of his sons tells him, he says, Dad, I'm tired of this life. I'm tired of you controlling me. I'm tired of living here. I want half my inheritance. I want to go live how I want to live and do what I want to do. I want to be in control of my own life. And we see he goes to, to, a, to a far city, a big city. Think of New York or L.A., some big grand city that seems so catching to the eye. But he says he's going to go there. He's going to be his own boss. He don't have to answer nobody. And we see in these verses he finds many friends. Of course he did. They want to help blow his money. You said, and in these verses we see he's having fun. He's wasting his life. He's wasting it on sin, drinking, partying, having all the fun he can have. And you see, doing anything he can do, all the pleasure he can have, just to have fulfillment. My friends, the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. The Bible says the end of sin is death. That sin will not give you fulfillment. It will not give you peace. It will take away from you everything God has tried to fulfill in your life. 
It will ruin you. It will ruin God's very plan for your life. Sin will hurt you in the long run. My friend, it will take you far away from God's plan. It's only fun for a while. But then the sting comes. You see, but really the prodigal son is a picture of all of us here tonight. You see, we're all running from something. We all have ran from something. You see, some of us have to drink. Some of us have to do drugs. Some of us have to have something just to make it through the day, some type of aid, because we can't take regular life. You see, we've all, we've all aimed for our personal happiness, and we've all missed the mark. Every single one of us has missed the mark. We're never perfect. We've missed the mark of Jesus' plan for our life. And Jesus says in Matthew, in Matthew, he says, You flatter me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You see, most of us in here tonight, I believe, we've all been saved. We've all been baptized. But deep inside of us, there's a deep void. We don't have true comfort. We don't have true peace. And you don't know truly tonight that if you died, that you'd go to heaven. You're running. We see in these verses, he's having the time of his life. He's having the time of his life with all the wickedness, with all the sin he can think, as I said. And we see that he blows all of his money, and he has nothing to show for it. Jeremiah 2.13 says this, and I would like to turn there right quick. Jeremiah 2.13 says this, Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hooed, down, and hooed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And haven't we done the same? We got the fountain of life that we can have fellowship with, that we can have a relationship with, that will help us, that will guide us. The ever-living fountain of life. Amen. And yet we go for broken cisterns. Yeah. Something that, that, that is, is quenching our thirst. It, it, it even tastes better than water. But it runs out just like that and we're left empty. The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? It's saying if you could have everything this world could offer, every bit of rich, every bit of wealth, which nobody in this world will ever have, but if you could have every last drop of it, it still wouldn't be worth it. Your soul is that much important. Your soul is not worth all the wealth of the world. And you see in verse 14, read with me once more, please. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. We see he starts recognizing his condition. He sees he begins losing his money. He couldn't get a job. Those friends that, that he cherished and he adored, the ones that he thought would stick by him through thick and thin that would never leave him, they left. He didn't have nothing left. They left him. He had nobody. He was depressed. He didn't know what to do. And it says he began to be in need and he was hungry. And, he, and we see in um, verse 15, he finally gets himself a job. And where is he at? He's feeding pigs. He's eating with the pigs, eating the slop with pigs. This man was from a wealthy family. He had it all. But notice this. 
Verse 17, the beginning of verse 17. And when he came to himself. You see, the last message I preached, one of my favorite messages ever, it was about Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve sinned, they ran from God. They hid from God. But you see in those verses, God cries out, Adam, where art thou? He's, he, and when he was saying that, he knew where they were. Yeah. Verses before he had just created the earth, all the animals, he created everything. He knew exactly where they were. Sure. But he was saying, Adam, where are you? He wanted them to know where they were spiritually. Look at yourself. You, you were spotless, sinless. Now you're hiding from me. Look where you are. You were loved, you were cared for, and now you've been dirtied by sin. You're hiding from your own God that verses before they was walking side by side with him. And I believe in this verse, in that, in that verse right there, when he came to himself, the Holy Spirit was crying out to that son. He was crying out saying, look at yourself. You was loved, you was cared for. You had no want for anything. And yet you threw it all away, and for what? And, and I believe as, he, as he's sitting there thinking about that, he's saying, I've thrown it all away. My father will never love me. He'll never care about me the same. He probably doesn't even care about me now. He probably forgot about me. He's probably disowned me. And now I'm all alone, and I'll probably die here all alone with nobody to love or care for me. But that Holy Spirit was telling him to go home. He was telling him, go back to your father. You see, in these verses, he decided he's going to return home. He didn't know what was going to happen. It, it, it had been years. He was gone for years. He didn't know what was going to happen. But he had put himself on the, uh, on the Father's mercy. He had put himself on God's, on his Father's forgiveness. Amen. And he said, I don't deserve it. And I'll be the very least if that's what it takes. But I got to be by my Father once more. And the most beautiful part of this story is this ending right here. And we see him walking towards his father's house. I imagine he was stinky, dirty, probably covered in mud. But he's walking towards his father's house. And his father sees him a great way off. How did he see him? It didn't say he walked up to his front porch, knocked on the door. It said as he was a great way off, his father seen him. He knew exactly where. He knew exactly when he started to come home. Why? Because constantly, day and night, he'd been near the window on the porch. He'd been standing there, constantly waiting for him, looking off, saying, Come home, son. I love you. Where did you go? Please come home. You're deeply missed. We see he sees him, and he, and he runs. He hugs him, grabs him, and kisses him. And as he held him, he stunk, and, and he was dirty. But his father did not care. He didn't half-hug him. He bear-hugged him. He didn't want to let go, regardless of the stink and the filth that was on him and that he was covered in. It didn't matter to him. And we see the son begs for forgiveness. And as I said, has to be the very least. But the father says, bring him the best rub, the best ring, the best shoes. Give my son the very best. Don't give him the least. He was lost, but now he's found. Let's have a feast. It says it. It says right here. In verse 10 of, uh, of Luke chapter 15, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sin, sinner that repenteth. Amen. Yeah. You see, Isaiah 118 says this, and I'm closing. Isaiah 118 says this, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. There, 
Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. No matter how stinky, how filthy we are from sin, the Father will clean us. He says, just come. All that was required of that son is you just come back to the Father. Doesn't matter what else. You don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to be perfect. That's why we have God. He makes all things perfect. He forms us to his image. We can't form ourselves to be like God. And that is the greatest battle as a Christian that you can face is trying to be perfect. You cannot be perfect. That is not an excuse for sin. It is an excuse to follow Christ. But you don't have to have it figured out. The only requirement is just throw yourself on God's mercy. He says, just come talk to me. You see, this world truly has nothing to offer. Only Jesus can satisfy. John 7.37 says this. John 7.37 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Most people, when they say that verse, it's for salvation. And don't get me wrong, it is for salvation. But I believe it's also for all of the characteristics of God. Everything he can offer. You see, don't go to broken cisterns. Nothing in it can complete you. Nothing can give you peace, give you comfort. But if you thirst, go to God. If you thirst for peace, if you thirst for love, joy, happiness, contentment, meaning in this life. If you thirst for anything, come to God. And he will quench that thirst. He will fill your hunger. He will love you. He will care for you. Like, the, like the, the, the hymn that we sing. I love that hymn. It says, come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, O sinner, come home. Isn't that powerful? Earnestly, tenderly. He's calling for you tonight. Come back. Stop running. Just come to me. I'll make things right. Just come to me. And I believe that's God talking to every one of us tonight. You see, come home. Today is the day of salvation if you're not saved. Today is the day of salvation, my friend. God desires you. And the biggest lie Satan tells us is that we have more time. More time to get right with God. More time to figure things out. And that's the biggest lie because, my friend, this might be your last chance before you meet God to get right with Him. This could be your very last day. We're not promised a day. We're not even promised the next hour or next minute. This could be your very last chance. But he's drawing you tonight and he's pulling to come home. I believe that you're not here tonight by mistake. Some form or another, some form or another God has you here for a reason. And in closing, you know, I believe that we get caught up all in religion. We come to church. We play the part. We act all nice and sweet. You see, we got, our, we got our, our, our nice clothes on. Everything looks good. We all look nice. And we all get big-headed in the, in the, in the, in the middle of it. And, and we forget that not a single one of us in here tonight truly deserves the love and forgiveness of God Amen. that He has bestowed to us. None of us is worthy for it. We're all unworthy, as, the, as another song that we sing. It's unmerited favor. But God... The creator of this universe has been merciful, merciful to us enough to forgive us of our sins. But he says, just come home. I believe as he was walking to his father, he was probably, you know, 
trampling or whatever. He was weak. He was exhausted. He was tired. He couldn't move. But he just came to God. And that's where it all begins. Let's pray. Father, once again, I thank you for this opportunity, dear God. Father, I pray that you please use this message, dear God. It's touched me greatly, dear God. Use it for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.